Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is December 3rd, 2018. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both of McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is mcflugel.com slash 121, where you'll be able to find links to the things we're talking about, as well as ways to subscribe to the podcast and uh, check out all the places that you can find us. And also, so you can check out libertymugs.com. Christmas is coming up soon, so uh, what better way to show your loved ones that you care about them by uh, buying them a nice, fresh mug at libertymugs.com and if you use the promo code christmas you will get a discount on your purchase uh we're running a christmas special i don't i hope i remember to put that discount in because i haven't done it yet and i don't know (laughs) what what uh what kind of a discount we're gonna give but uh Go check it out. Go to Liberty Mugs. And uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce this episode. Thank you, Rallo. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Rallo and Slappy Show. I'm Slappy Jones. Today, we're going to talk about a story we covered just about four years ago. It was local to us, somewhat local anyway. And uh, it's very sad. It's the uh, the death of Joe, Joe Piccini. Um, Rallo wrote a few articles. Um, we really never got the answers we wanted um, or looked for. I know I, I did a little bit of Googling to see, over the years to see if there's ever been updates, and we really haven't gotten them. Um, but we thought it would be good to bring this story up to somewhat spread awareness or, or at least let people know the story. Um, so Rallo, why don't you, uh, give us a little bit on, uh, Joe Pacini? Sure. So I guess we'll just kind of start it from the beginning and, and kind of how we, we heard about it. Uh, I remember it was, I guess it was, yeah, it was December 30th, 2014. Yep. And I remember there was a, I heard a helicopter. This was when I was living at my parents' house. Yep. And I heard a helicopter overhead outside And Slappy sent me a text or a screenshot of a text of a news story uh, that someone had just been shot and killed by the uh, Upper Darby police. And it was only a few blocks away from uh, where I lived. And so we we flipped on the local news to see if anything was going on because that's not a story. That's not something that typically happens. We don't have – no, I mean, every once in a while in that general area, it's not far from Philadelphia. So hearing you hear stories of people getting shot in Philadelphia, like, absolutely. Yeah, that that's kind of normal. But when it's a few blocks from your house uh, on a road that I would drive, you know, drove down all the time, it was basically where I would uh, where I would uh, run, go for runs. Uh, it kind of hits home a little bit. Yep. So we're obviously, you know, we're libertarians and care about stories about the police and and violence and all this kind of stuff. So it, it kind of piqued our interest for a few reasons. So I'll just read off the uh, – there's an article from NBC Philadelphia, what they how they reported it. Because this is also kind of one of the points I want to make is that whenever we hear about a, a crime – or something happens, someone's on the the wrong end of an interaction with the police, we almost never 
hear the other side of the story or we never hear the background. Uh, I don't know. People might follow uh, Sister Helen Prejean on Twitter. She's very big on uh, 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 lethal, uh, what's a uh, death penalty. Mm-hmm. And she reports on that because those, those are the people that, you know, the world really just kind of turns their back on. And so she gives them kind of a voice and tells their story because you hear about these crimes that people commit. And even if these people did commit the crimes that they're, uh, they've been sentenced to death for, you know, we hear about these crimes and, and how awful they are. And so often the response is, yeah, well, put him on the chair. He deserves it. But she tells the backstory of these people. And when you hear about just the brutal lives that these people had, usually throughout their entire lives, it really paints a different picture and hopefully humanizes them. Yeah. It doesn't, not it just doesn't some monster, you know? right. It doesn't justify what they did. It doesn't make it okay. This is obvious, but it doesn't mean there shouldn't like something shouldn't be done. Right. If, but it, if a crime was committed. Yeah. But it should at least make it pause and say, all right, I, I can't imagine the, the demons this guy was going through. Mm-hmm. And this story with Joe Pacini's not quite the same in that way, but he does have an interesting backstory. So I just kind of wanted to, to get that out in the beginning. So let me read this from an article from NBC Philadelphia. And these two articles, we, we wrote two articles about this. Uh, one was kind of the initial reaction we had without really know, knowing many details, just with the information that the news was giving us. Uh, we wrote something that, that things didn't seem quite right about this. And then we, we got some more information later on, and it really confirmed a lot of our suspicions. And But we'll get into that. So here's from NBC Philadelphia. Quote, A man who posted YouTube videos threatening law enforcement officials was shot and killed by police after he allegedly tried to run them over with his car in Delaware County Tuesday. The man, identified by police as 52-year-old Joseph Anthony Pacini, had been charged Sunday with making terroristic threats, according to court records. He had also been charged in 2005 with making terroristic threats in Philadelphia, according to police. Police were serving a warrant for Pacini's arrest and tracked him down to a relative's home in Clifton Heights late Tuesday afternoon, according to investigators. They then followed him as he drove away from the home into Drexel Hill. He was eventually stopped by Clifton Heights, Upper Darby, and Haverford police officers at Garrett Road and Shadeland Avenue. After officers told him to get out of the car, Pacini allegedly put his car in reverse and accelerated, slamming into the vehicle of the Clifton Heights police chief. Pacini then allegedly tried to run over other officers with his vehicle. Five of the officers took out their weapons and opened fire, striking him several times. He was pronounced dead at the scene. No officers were hurt during the ordeal. End video. So, Slappy, what's your reaction to that? If you, I, I know you know everything <laughs> that yeah, I know about it, but but whenever you have these situations, and especially as libertarians, um, it's easy to jump all over it, right? Yeah, we're not in the cop situation. We don't know what they were thinking, but when you see no one got hurt. I mean, my, my thought is, you know, is your life in danger? Maybe it is, but it just seems very odd. He backed into a police car. 
I assume there was a police car in front of him. I don't know that he could have. Like, we don't know. We don't see the scene. We don't know what's happening and what it looks like. Well, they they had three different towns departments. Of course, involved. we know there was a ton of cops involved. Um, we know they followed him from his relative's house. Yes. And they had several police departments involved. Was there a chase? Like, did they try to pull him over and he ran? I believe that what they did was they, quote unquote, executed the stop, which right. meant they were following him and then stopped him. they stopped him. And then the rest is what happened. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, with any story, it, it is tough to know exactly what happened. But the fact that he reversed into a police car probably means he couldn't drive forward because there was probably a police car in front of him. Sounds like they had him surrounded. Right. Maybe not. Maybe a cop just pulled behind and he backed into it. Do we know? Um, I mean, it's this is where some of the details. Because when, when so many police years. officers, there was five officers who fired shots. Yes. So I doubt it was one car pulled him over and he backed into the car. Right. I I, I think during like these stops, they, they. Several, several, like they said, there was three, what, three, what do they call them? Three departments right. were there. Mm-hmm. And five officers fired shots at him. He didn't have a gun, correct? Correct. I think they said he was in the car and that was the deadly weapon. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, seems excessive to me. Yeah. So one of the things, I, and I forget how I came across the videos. I might have searched them myself on YouTube, but when they mentioned these videos, I, I looked it up. The ones that he did on YouTube. Yes. And they're there. And they're, they're, st- there. they're still there. They are. And yep, if you, you can go, if you Google his name, it'll come up on YouTube. And we also, on the show notes page, we have the, uh, in the first article I wrote, it has the uh, three of the videos that he made there. Um, and that, that's noted in, in, on the show notes page. So it's, it'll be easy to find, but I watched these videos and the first thing that came to my head is this guy's nuts. Like there's, there's something not right with this guy. There was something off with him for sure. And, and I think they did confirm he had some mental issues. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, Um, yeah, but you can tell just by watching these, anyone who watches these videos thinks something's not right with the guy. He was, he was claiming to be the soulmate of Sarah Bialis. I'm not sure how you pronounce Bialis. I think she's a singer. And then, uh, another one, like he, and, and also he did make threats against the police. Well, he did. Yeah. He was talking about how he didn't want to go to prison again. And he thought that the F he was saying that there was a. Apparently, he had some altercation at a gym that he went to. Yep. And as a result, someone called the police. And yeah, yeah. What happened with that? So, this was before, obviously. Before. Yeah. It was like a verbal altercation he got with someone, and someone either the gym or the other guy in the altercation called, called the police. And so, they, someone from the police department called him, left a voicemail. And it was actually like a fairly innocuous call. Him just saying like, hey, I heard you had some trouble at the gym. Just want to give you, talk to you, kind of see what happened. That's okay. Yeah. It's not cool. not really that, didn't seem like that big of a deal. I mean, we, you know, put it, we can put aside any sort of police entrapment. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they were just trying to 
figure out what was going on. And he played this this voicemail on the one video and he said, see, this is this is proof that the FBI is out to kill me. And he said that, you know, if the police saying to the police, you know, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. But if you if you come after me, I'll I'll take as many of you out as I can yep. before you take me out. So were there threats? Yeah. But again, there's clearly mental issues going on here. Clearly. And so a few th- and this show we see these stories a lot where the police get called even if uh, the, the it's not a case of someone making threats against the police but someone someone's you know son or husband or some of their family members having a, a mental issue and the police show up and they end up shooting him because he's having some sort of uh, fit or episode and he lashes out and the police do what they do and they draw their gun and because they feel threatened and, and they shoot him. So like m- so many other stories, you have to ask the question, like why are the police being directly involved in this instead of someone who's professionally trained to handle people like this that have obvious mental conditions, mental conditions that are obviously uh, ready to lash out if they feel threatened. Uh, Just, and then on top of that, what made it even worse, which really made me question the motives, which really made me think that, that after hearing these threats against them, that the police might've gotten, you know, a bug up through, you know what, and uh, decided that they, you know, maybe one of the pound of flesh was that they knew that he was at a relative's house, watched him walk out the door, getting into his car and then pursued him and then executed the stop. So, he was unarmed. He was just walking out of a door. Why couldn't they have waited for him? He was, got, comes out the door. Was he on his way to the gym or something like that? I don't know. I thought he was, but that might be just me misremembering. Yeah, I don't remember. But, but I'm pretty sure he was unarmed and they said the car was the weapon. Yeah. So they waited for him knowing that he said that if you come after me, I'm going to try to take as many of you out as possible. They waited for him to have an opportunity to have a weapon, which was his car. And again, we don't know what happened exactly during the stop. I have to imagine that they're that they've done these stops before, so I I would imagine that they box you in pretty tightly. So what does going in reverse and accelerating mean? Is he many many went three feet and hit the car? And then went forward. Does that mean he went four feet going forward? Or does it mean he had a, you know, a a hundred foot, a hundred feet to pick up speed or something? So I would, I would assume that it, that mean it was the former. That when they're boxing someone in that they, like I said, they make a pretty tight perimeter around them. But it just like, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever let it get to that point when you know that this guy is is mentally unhinged 
that he wants that he he thinks that you want to kill him and that he said he wants to kill you if you go after him like and then on top of that you find out that the uh Michael Chitwood the superintendent of the Upper Darby police who was the the ringleader in all of this he didn't let the other other police department he called in the other police departments and he allegedly never told them what was actually going on with this that it was just like a he, he didn't give them the backstory of what was going on so what happens if because that's the other thing the police got you know all the praise in the world because it was guy making terroristic threats guy that was threatening the police there's there's obviously a bad egg a guy that you know, we don't want to kill people, but hey, this situation, I'm, I'm glad he's dead, not the police. They actually did say that. Or something close, right? I, I, I forget. Everyone got home or something. Yeah. Okay. I mean, putting that aside, that how just awful that is, that you don't, like they literally are slapping them on the back and saying, good job for killing someone. For, you know, per, the people that are supposed to protect and serve us, they go out and kill someone and that, and that's a good job. But they're putting themselves and police officers in different uh, departments in harm's way. If I were uh, in this situation and they and someone said, hey, do you want to help me deal with this issue that that will make it seem like it's kind of routine? And then you find out, oh, by the way, he was willing to kill anyone that came there. I mean, what happens if a police officer did get hurt or killed? It would be, it would just be like, well, he's a public servant and, you know, everyone would beat their, beat their chest and say, oh, this was terrible. This is a tragedy. But it's, you know, these guys are putting themselves out, out there. But man, talk of that. If you, if that happened in private industry. Any that happened in any non-government situation that your employer puts you in that situation where there's a much greater chance that like there's going to be, yeah, for well, really good reason. And one of the ways, I mean, we can always say you don't know what really happened. And that's what the people who will always, you know, regardless, defend the police will say it's... um you know, it's easier to, or it's easy to uh, look back on it. But, um, you know, and you don't know what you would do in that situation. But one way when you're judging any situation, if someone dies, it probably didn't go well. Yes. Right? I mean, <laughs> if you're, and if you're a police officer, supposed to keep us safe, questionable, I know. But at least that's what they say. Um, if someone dies, you should never be defending them, right? Like, shouldn't that be like, wow, we really made, we really handled that poorly. Someone ended up dead. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, no matter what the case is now. Yeah. Yeah. If a guy's like an active shooter and you have to take him out. Okay. He's shooting people who are unarmed. Like, okay, that that's defense. That's different. But whenever there's an, a confrontation or an altercation or whatever, and someone ends up dead, usually it went poorly. Yes. And 
you know, every the reaction is going to be, well, like like you were saying, you don't know what it's like to be a police officer. You're in the heat of the moment and everything. Well, there's this this may be, you know, only a couple data points instead of trends or whatever. But there's pretty popular videos out there. I remember the one. These were in different con- other countries, but the one was uh, a guy walked into a police station with a knife and was threatening everybody. And the one cop was just stood there and talked to him, convinced him to to give him the knife, and then gave him a hug. Then they all sat him down, gave him a drink of water, and and the guy explained that he just got his uh, his robbed and it, they took his guitar and he was a, a musician, so now he lost his livelihood. And the guy was like in you know in tears, and they, I think the one. Uh, the police officer then ended up giving them the hug and taking the knife from him, like gave him his guitar or something. Hmm. And it was like a, a beautiful, wonderful story where if that were in an American police station, the guy probably would have gotten lit up right away. Another one, I remember I watched this on TV years ago on some some uh, show that covers stuff like this. But uh, there's a guy uh, sitting on a lawn chair in his front in the front lawn holding a gun and he was threatening to... Uh, he wanted to commit suicide. And so there's a standoff with the police. And so uh, what they did was they set up a, a sniper somewhere, like on, on a, a roof of another house or something. And so they had to distract the guy. And so what they did was they, they offered him a beer. And so they rolled a beer to him. But before they rolled it, they shook it up. So when he opened the beer, it sprayed around and he kind of, you know, got distracted that way. And the sniper shot the gun out of his hand. Well, that's, an, that's an impressive shot. Yeah. That, that's impre- That's like, I'm not saying that, oh, you can just shoot <laughs> the gun out of the guy's hand. But. That's an impressive shot, man. You got to give him. But like him. when you, but it just goes to show that if you put the effort into it, there's handle. other ways to handle it. with And if, and you know, if it didn't work and, you know, something, it. You know, at least it was pretty obvious that they were putting in the effort. And I mean, really, though, like worst case scenario has to be someone died. Yes. Like going into any situation, it shouldn't be like, here's the rules for when we can shoot. It should be how do we get out of here and get everybody home? Yeah, exactly. So with all that in mind, let's take go to the next part. Because. I don't know. A week or two later, uh, or several weeks later, uh, I got a note of uh, his uh, Joe Pacini's ex-girlfriend got in touch with me because she stumbled across the article that we wrote. And uh, she confirmed our suspicions mental issues, right? that he had severe mental issues. And she told us that he had been uh, suffering from Huntington's disease, which and it was a hereditary thing. Yep, it uh, severely it it affects everyone differently, but it is it causes severe motor motor skill uh, damage, and uh, it just like destroys your the ability of your mind to function correctly. Uh, and it is hereditary, so uh, his. Uh, his sis- his younger sister has it, and as of 
four years ago, she was in like full nursing care because of it. Like she lost all motor skills. Uh, he had an older sister who didn't have it, but his father uh, had been diagnosed with it. And I think, I, I think his grandfather had it too. Yeah. But when his father got diagnosed with it, he committed suicide because he didn't want to deal with what he saw his other families had to go through. And if I remember correctly, that was part of why Piccini didn't want to get married. He didn't want to have kids and put them through it. Yeah. Like it, it is in many ways just a completely life altering disease, even when it doesn't really hit you that hard yet. Just when you realize you have it, when you get diagnosed with it, like his life was completely changed. And his girl, his ex-girlfriend who remained friends with him because she did care about him. Mm -hmm. That was clear. Yeah. Um, she said that like what you saw in the, like she would, what upset her too was that she's saying like these, what you hear in these news stories, what you see in the videos, that's not Joe. That was the disease. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, he had a, he had a business. I think he wrote a book or something. Um, but she said he was like the kindest, gentlest person that would do anything for you. Um, and just, it, 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 you could tell it, it broke her up that it, it changed him so much. And then obviously what, what ended up being the final result, um, she also told us that, uh, or she claims that she, he was never violent. He had his episodes sometimes and he would get angry, but he was never violent. But one time, uh, he did have an outburst that, uh, ended up having his mother call the police, uh, to get help mm -hmm. for, for an intervention for it, which that's important because there should have been some sort of record. On top of right. his arrest yeah, they knew about him. in 2005 for making, you know, these threats. So, so that's, that's another reason why there should have been them taking a step back and saying, all right, we, we, maybe we got to deal with this a, a little bit differently than just a rant, just someone else who's making threats against the police or, or making some sort of, you know, quote unquote, terroristic threats. I hate that, uh, term to terroristic threats it's thrown or yeah you hear that all the time so oh yeah um there was a photography is not a crime cover the story mm -hmm. and that's where Apparently, the dispatch recording, yeah, they made no mention of the possible mental issues when they were requesting backup from from the other departments. So that's uh, whether or not, the you know, they knew at the time when they were going. I don't, I don't know. But they should have. Yeah, they should have. And if they because didn't. they've been called before. If they didn't, that shows they're not very well functioning. It, they it don't was, have records of people, especially when you've got a guy who's been called for an outbreak for an outburst with a disease that, that that is you know has mental mental uh issues it causes and he'd been arrested before for and with the call from from the um from the gym incident right oh yeah yes yeah, so something fresh yeah 
Um, so, did we talk about the uh, uh, when they when they actually executed the stop? And so apparently they fired at least twenty two shots. That was from uh, eyewitnesses at the area, kind of gathering that what what they can. I think that's where they got that from. But where they made the stop in Upper Darby was, and it was late in the afternoon. It was like 3 o'clock or something. Uh, probably between like 3 and 5, 3 yeah. and 6. I think it was still light out. Yeah. This was in front of the bank. They're lucky. <laughs> yeah, the bank the, across the street, there's a drugstore, or at least was a drugstore. Yeah. Uh, pizza shops right there. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a neighborhood. It's an extremely densely populated area to begin with. Uh-huh. It, there's a neighborhood. It's a neighborhood there. And also that's where a lot of the uh, you know, little businesses are on that road there. It, it's you know, What happens if, a, if someone just walking by got, got hit with a bullet? Would that still be what Chitwood called, quote unquote, good police work? Yeah. See, you can't – you can say a lot of things. That's, it's really hard to say that's good police work. Like that's yeah. pretty pretty bad. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. There's like we said before. There's a lot of stories like this, and uh, once you hear the opposite, the other side of it a little bit, you hear. And it wasn't just uh, his his ex girlfriend who talked to me. There was another uh, another friend. They got in touch too about it. Who who corroborated her story and her saying, you know, what what kind of a person uh, Pacini was mm-hmm. before the illness got him? Because the th- the arrest was for the threats on YouTube, correct? Yes. He so nothing happened before that. Um. They knew he. They knew the gym he goes to. He was a regular at the gym. Uh, you just think there's a lot of ways they could have done this. Right. There wasn't anything immediate. No. He didn't have a weapon. He wasn't threatening people, actively threatening people. Well, was it even actually like... Because I remember, I know, I remember thinking about this. Come for me. Because I'm, he got caught... Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to re, re... I'm just going through this story in my head again. Yeah. So there was the incident at the gym which the police called him and it was after that he went on youtube and said if you come for me i'll take you out yes and then they went for him and then he backed his car up if he said if he went on youtube and said the same things except instead of the police he said about that about rollo mcflugel would the police do anything could they do anything legally i remember talking about this and and yeah i don't people saying that they can't would say there has to be some action or something. I yeah, mean. or, or act, an actual threat. Right. So it's another one of those things where, you know, you poke that nest and they'll respond and a little bit differently. And if someone said that about Rollo McFlugel and then Rollo McFlugel right. went and, like, taunted the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got yeah, his like, buddy. If I got, like, if I got yeah. my buddies and, and we... Uh, went after him if, if someone says rollo if you come after me i'll kill you and then you get all your friends and go after him you're kind of like well what what did you have to do that yeah <laughs> couldn't have been another way you know right so it's uh you know we bring this up it was four years ago 
I'm very, uh, it's, there's not much out there. I remember thinking about this a couple of years ago and, th- and, and Think thinking about it from time to time. You right. Know? But thinking about how, you know, they're not going to release, be able to release the dash cam footage if there is any right away. So one, I wanted to let this story out because it's, it's a case that's, you know, I, we never it, knew, we never found out what actually happened. Right. And so if there's anyone out there that knows how to get information from police departments after some time has, has gone by, uh, please get in touch with us because we would, we would still be very interested in kind of uh, figuring out what happened a little bit and getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, justice. <laughs> Because, I mean, there's not much to get, but... I mean, the justice could be getting the truth out of what right. actually happened, what went down. If there's any notes on this case or what, what they were doing or, like, really anything. Yep. Oh, you know? that, that reminds me. I remember w- there was rumors that one of the police officers involved was so distraught that he quit or something or was going to quit the police. That's right. I think that I was from that Photography part. is Not a Crime. Yeah. And they didn't release any of the names of the cops involved. Is that correct? No. Do they normally do that? I don't know, but they didn't. No. I mean, if anyone else shot someone. Yeah. 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 It would be the first thing they'd, uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Whenever they're, you know, suspects are immediately kind of identified, not, uh, explicitly, but identified as, as, criminals and they actually did it it's uh not a great system we have with that how the media and the police kind of just are in lockstep together yeah yeah it's uh it's a whole lot (laughs) the media and the public generally yep yeah and especially i mean the people in that area or they they very much love the police for the most part. Certainly. So Certainly. when uh when Chitwood says it's it was a uh, good police work, they're gonna. It just takes that that really bothers me. Like that takes balls where so someone dies by your guys and five of them shot him, and you say that's good police work. Like that's probably the worst possible scenario. Like even if it's necessary, even if killing someone's necessary, it's never good. Right. You'd never be like, that's a good job today. Someone died. Wouldn't you like go back and look at it and and like say, how could we have done this differently? Wow, we someone lost their life. This is awful. Let's uh, figure it out. But of course, they always have to defend each other. No matter what happens, they defend each other. You you rarely hear someone come on and say, who, who's a police officer or involved in the union or whatever, say, man, that was a terrible job. Someone died. Yep. <laughs> like... Yeah, you can't, you can't possibly say it's good police. If that's good police work, then why can't we fire them? Because I don't think anyone wants that to be considered good police work. Yeah. Especially when you find out some of the backstory about what happened, like what we, everything right. we talked about. It makes it even worse. Not, I mean, it makes it whatever. There's never a good way to do that. Yeah, but I mean, it just... Like you said, we should, we should be able to fire these people. Which, if you did have a private market, free market for this kind of stuff, no, no, I would not accept the police. 
even even if he even if he were a criminal and needed to be stopped and arrested, I would not put up with a police force that opened fire in the middle of a business and residential area. Right. At during rush hour. Right. Like that alone is, is enough so to make you be like, what in the world is the matter with you people? Especially when they had a chance to get him before he got into a car. They had chances to get him. They knew him. Yeah. They knew who he was. They called his house. They knew he goes to the gym. There's several times they could have got him. Yeah. With uh, who knows how many they had with three, three departments there. So let's say each department had three guys, which is probably really low. So you, let's, let's just say you had, could have had nine guys there all armed to the teeth versus one unarmed man. But you wait till he gets into his car and starts driving. Like what's, <laughs> it's absurd. Yep. All the more reason to, to take these people out of power and replace them with actual solutions. So I don't know. Have you, did you have anything else to say? I think we covered, uh, covered a lot of what, yeah, what we think, know. I think that's the story. If anyone knows any, anything more and wants to contact us, we'd be happy to hear it. Or again, knows information. Yeah. Yeah. Knows how to, we've never had to do that or never really tried if there's forms to file or, or ways to get access to, I mean, it should be, you would think public information. Right. Um, well, we'd like to look into it a little deeper and just, just, you know, just tell the story. Guy was, guy was killed. Yeah. And if nothing else, I mean, we, obviously he's not, uh, coming back, but, The difference could be that maybe the next guy doesn't have to get killed. Right. So that's why it's important that even though these things, you know, have happened long ago in the past that we, uh, we don't forget about them. We don't do anything. We don't not do anything about them. So, uh, with that, I guess we can go to the, uh, free market success story. Yeah. You got one. Yeah. So I was driving home today from work and uh, about a mile or so from my house. I saw the police had someone pulled over. Didn't think much of it. And uh, when I got home, I got an email from nextdoor.com from someone. I didn't really make fun of nextdoor.com because there's some pretty insane and stupid and funny things that people post there. But a guy wrote that, uh, hey, just wanted to let everyone know that, that at intersection XYZ, the police are sitting there waiting for people to pull them over for not making complete stops at stop signs. I know this because my wife just got picked. So a little, uh, little way that you can use, uh, one of the fruits of the market to, uh, benefit everybody else. And so now I know that you know, when I'm driving to and from work, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I, make a complete stop, even though I can see everything around yeah. me. Well, I'm sure that if you're like, if a car in your driveway or one of your neighbor's driveway got broken into, they would do the same thing. So that site's good. I mean, they're looking out for the neighborhood and they're letting oh, yeah. people be aware that there's criminals in the area. 
um, even if they wear costumes and to yep. avoid them. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like grind the clutch on my tractor when I, when I go through that intersection Ooh, next time. So safety, safety. I got it. So one note I had. Yeah. Got it done. Yep. So with that, again, the show notes page is mcflugel.com slash 121. We'll have links to the uh, two original stories that we wrote about Joe Pacini. The first one has uh, the videos embedded on the page. So you can watch them and see for yourself what you think. I mean, I know after listening to this, you've kind of whole heard everything we have to say about it. So it probably carry some biases, but I don't think those biases are going to matter once you see the video because right. to, it's clear as day. Um, and also on the show notes page, uh, make sure to subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or on all the podcatchers. Uh, subscribe to the email newsletter at mcfool.com and you'll get a discount at libertymugs.com. And over again, go to Liberty Mugs and use the, the discount code Christmas and you will get a, a discount. To be named later. Yes. Uh, I, I'll put a banner up at the top of the site or something. It'll be a, have a little Christmas sale. Uh, f- yeah, so our friends... Friends podcast, uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall with Mance Raider. We were just on, we recorded with him last week, kind of a follow-up to our episode 120 with uh, Dino talking about free markets and uh, capitalism versus socialism. So uh, Dino wasn't able to make it to that episode, but we kind of gave a little bit of our side to uh, talk a little bit more about how we really felt about it. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I don't think he, he hasn't released it yet, but... Be I good. think it's, he said it'll be out this week, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so be sure to check that out when it comes out. Also, the uh, check out Friends Against Government podcast, Peaceful Treason podcast, and the aforementioned Dino and the Rogue File. So with that, we'll catch you next week. Peace.